The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports Station. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, guys. How are we doing? You're still here? You haven't gone down yet, have you? No, no, I haven't. So, I, I, as we discussed last week, I'm definitely getting the edge. All right. Big drive, I know, right? You got the dogs in the car. Everybody heads down to to Arizona together and, and get yourself ready. But how you said you've got the itch. What are you most excited about? You know, like I am every spring, just to be around the guys. It's, uh, there's there's an energy. And you guys, I know the, the time you're down in Arizona with us in the spring, there's an energy every day. And, you know, it's, it's bustling. And I think it's because we have, you know, personalities, young players that tend to bring the energy. And, it lasts with us all season as a result of that. But that that, that time in, in Arizona when you're on top of one another, it's a, it, it's more of a an intimate, laid back environment. And you know you don't have the stresses of preparing for a game, you know, the, getting the pitcher ready, etc. It's it's plain and simple. You're just out there enjoying baseball and awesome weather. I said to Salk, I'd be most curious after all of these years of doing the shows down there, if it will feel different, not sound different, not look different, but Jerry, it will feel different because you actually made the playoffs and you actually won a playoff series and you don't have to talk about what you're going to do. You actually made the playoffs. Do you anticipate it feeling a little bit more substantive because of that playoff experience? Do you feel it? Do you think it will feel any different this time around than, I don't know, the last dozen years that we've been there? You know, I, I guess on on some level, I hope it doesn't feel different because I, you'd like to, to maintain that same hunger and those same, you know, that same level of focus and uh, in, in wanting to achieve something together. But at the same time, I, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, our, our group comes in and approaches it. They should feel proud of what they accomplished a year ago. But you know, I'll, I'll quote our our young star center fielder, who I, I, I may have told you this, but when he was getting ready to accept his his rookie of the year award in New York, uh, I guess last Saturday night, he his his response to me, I said, "Enjoy this. You're in every bit of it." And he said, "He said, ah, oh, this one's in the books. I'm already focused on the next," <laughs> which is, you know, that that's. That's the the attitude you have to have if you want it to be, you know, a year in, year out thing. It's, you know, all right, we've done that. Now it's time to move on to the next. Yeah, and I guess that's not a fat and happy. I'm not saying that. Like, oh, look at us. Look at us now. It's not a fat and happy, but it, there's just a – when you, confidence? Is that what yeah, you Yeah, it, just when you've done it. You know, when, when I went to Indianapolis and they had been to the playoffs year after year, it's like that, that's just now the expectation. That's the fiber of winning. And it isn't, oh, we're going to get there. Oh, we're going to get there. Oh, we're going to get over the hump. Oh, we're going to close the gap. So it's not a – yeah, it's not a level, Jerry, of satisfaction. I guess it's just a level of confidence that goes – yeah, man. Yeah, we did it. And we know who we are and what we are. And we're a playoff team. Yeah, I do think that that's, you know, it's what we talk about in managing the success moving forward is you want to be able to straddle that line of, you know, I guess, edginess that, that you want to go do something and, and, and show somebody what you're capable of, you know, prove it to yourself. And, and you can't get on, you can't take both feet on that side of the line, because then what you risk is that type of, you know, the, 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 the fat cat syndrome and, and letting it become, uh, 
easy to enjoy the moment. I, you know, I, we enjoyed that one. And now it's time to get to work and, and go start the next. Uh, I'm going to ask you some more about some of the guys on your team in a minute, but what, just talking about the rules, we had Jeff passing on earlier in the week and, you know, we've been focusing a lot on the shift and even the, even the bigger bases, which I think are, are interesting. I mean, a four and a half inch difference between first and second base seems like kind of a big deal to me, but um, he was, he went really in depth into how big a difference the pitch clock will be. He thinks that's going to add to the offense as well. And he went so far as to even say this, I think it's going to be at least 10 points higher. Wow. It's not, it's not the shift. It's the pitch clock. Okay. I think the pitch clock is going to have an, and I think it is going to be the most important change in baseball in at least half a century. Baseball fans are going to love it. And, People who maybe want to be baseball fans but think games too long are going to be attracted even more to the idea of it now because I think the average game time is going to go down somewhere in the range of 15 minutes. Is this going to be the biggest change in baseball in 50 years? Uh, it, it could be among them. I, maybe one of the things I'm looking forward to most, and, and you know, pitch clock is, you know, fans will love it. I, baseball operations people love it, you know, to be honest with you. And, and I think overall players will, will start to embrace it. You know, I'm not sure that I agree that it will take, you know, offense to a different level because I do think that when pitchers work quicker, hitters don't get an opportunity to clear. And this is going to sound a little Kevin Costner you know, the, back in the, I, I don't remember the name of the movie that, you know, but for love of the, the game. mechanism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for love of the game. You know, it, the, it, you have to be able to clear it out and start over. And, and one of the, the great advantages, and I learned this from watching Tug McGraw, you know, as a kid growing up and then getting known a little bit later in my life, hey, work fast. Stay on the mound. Don't leave the rubber. Rush the hitter. And, and if you rush the hitter, you're at advantage. And, and, and I do think there's some truth in that. That you know, you watch guys and you know Kirk Reeder and Mark Burley, guys who weren't particularly stuffy pitchers, who were really good because they worked at a pace that didn't allow the the, the hitter to reset. And and I think that's something that's going to come with the the pitch clock, you know. But we'll see where that balance lies. The thing I'm excited about is the combination of the pitch clock with the throwover rules and. Yes. Combine that, and this is, it sounds crazy, but combine that with the, the bases. And if you're able to time something that you know is coming or not coming, and the base is, you know, four inches closer to you, I think we might see a spike in the running game that we really haven't seen. And, and you know, it's, I know it's probably since I was a player, you know, 25 years ago. It's, you know, it, it's just not been a, a huge part of the game. In a, in a couple of decades, and and I think those combinations allow for at least the possibility that in, in the years to come we're going to see a a real a rise in how active you know, the the game gets on the bases, which is fun to watch. We have seen some of these rule changes already put into play at the minor league level, right? They've kind of used the minors to to is a playground and kind of clay to to mold what works, what doesn't work. How do you, uh, of the, of these pitchers in the game today, maybe even on your own staff, how will it impact the most? Who of these pitchers will be impacted the most by these changes? You think Jerry? You know, there'll be historically, we've always had in, in the game, we've had pitchers who work quicker and pitchers who work slower. 
we have pitchers in the game today who work slower. I think one of the most, uh, you know, head scratching moments for me is, is the, the fuss that's made about implementing a, a pitch clock, because I do think it's good from, for, for the fan who's watching the game for the player who's playing the game, but you're going to get some, some pitchers who have a tough time adapting to it, you know, especially veterans who've never, you know, performed in that environment. So, you know, consider it the guys who are maybe among the older third of the players in the league who really never had to come through a minor league system where this was part of, of their training. And change is hard, you know, and people don't typically like change. <laughs> so it's, uh, there'll be some bumps in the road along the way, I'm sure. But I do think that for the good of the game, over the long haul, this is a great thing. Hey, Jerry, tell me a little bit about J.P. Crawford's offseason. His name came up, and and you guys have made a, a really significant commitment to J.P. First half of his year last year was great. Second half, maybe not as great, certainly not with the bats. What has J.P. been working on this offseason, and what's a reasonable expectation for him this year? Yeah, J.P.'s a good player, and we talked about this a couple of weeks back. It's a, His offseason was spent uh, – working on, I guess, strengthening, especially lower half strengthening, you know, and, and developing more consistency with his back path. You know, I think he, he, he spent a lot of his off season and, and I don't think I'm, I'm sharing anything he would be uncomfortable with. He spent a lot of his off season working with the, the crew over at driveline in Kent and, you know, the, the driveline does a phenomenal job. They, they work with a lot of the, the, the really good players in our league. And, you know, when you walk in the, the doors and you see, you know, half a dozen major league all-stars working out at a given time and, you know, it, it lends immediate credibility to the programs they run. And, you know, with JP, I think last year in the second half, you saw, you know, he was just beat up, you know, playing shortstop 162 games a year is a really rough job. And, um, by the second half, there was just he had no base. You know, his his legs were weren't under him. You could see the, how labored it was from time to time, just moving side to side or coming on and off the field. And and I think he spent a ton of his off season making sure that that he is in that he's as strong as he can be to try to avoid that outcome. And you know, the JP has a good swing. He's got a good eye. He swings at the right pitches. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who hits 20, 25 homers, but he is a guy that gets on base, should spray his doubles and uses the field to hit. And, but when you lose your foundation, when you lose your legs, very often you wind up, it crushes your impact, number one, and you wind up rolling over a lot of balls because there's really, you have to stay back to use, you know, the, the center or opposite fields and you can't do it when your legs aren't there. So a lot of his offseason has been spent, you know, building that strength and swing repetition. And I think he's happy with the offseason he's had. We're thrilled with it. And you know, it's, it, he's a very important player for us in a lot of ways. And, and I'm thrilled that, that his offseason went the way it did. You mentioned bat path in there. What is, is that swing plane and, and some of those launch angle stuff that we hear about? No, you know, more traditional, it, and this is not really a modern reference, but when you when you lose your lower half, and I, and I can remember talking to, to hitters, you know, especially hitters as they age, and you know, the great hitters of all time will tell you that that once they reach a certain stage in their career, you know, a certain age, you know, it, it becomes paramount to start taking care of your lower body in ways that maybe you didn't when you were 22 or 25, and. 
And, you know, that might hit at a different point in every hitter's career. But once you lose the ability to, to engage your legs in your swing, to stay back, to, to, to really rely, we talk about relying on your hands. In order to rely on your hands, you've got to keep your lower body, you know, you got to keep your legs back. And that when you lose those legs, the first thing you do is you jump, you know, or you slide forward in your swing. And then the bat casts. And a path that when we talk about the path, we're talking about the directness from the time your hands launch, that first movement forward with your hands. Now, if you think about a baseball swing, you're going to separate back. So you'll take your hands back and it could be two inches. It could be four, you know, and then you're going to, to bring the ball, the, the bat to the ball. And the more direct that path is, you know, the, the better. And, you know, if you think back to like Edgar's swing, so little movement and that the path was incredibly direct. And as a result, you get a lot of barrel contact. You know, when you're, when your legs are beat, you, you wind up casting out a lot. And now the swing gets out and around the, the ball. If that visual yeah. makes sense, yeah. you know, and and your hands are, you're saying your hands are getting farther back. away from your body rather than going straight. Correct. To the ball. Yeah, I get it. It sounds a lot like every golf and lesson the- I've taken for the last three years. <laughs> Mike, stop throwing your hands out at the ball. Yeah, I get it. I'm on. I get this. This actually makes perfect sense to me. I mean, if that's what you're trying to do is create, you know, more a linear path to the ball, you know, to increase the, the barrel percentage or the, the 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 frequency with which you're you're dotting the ball up. I like it. Hey, you want a uh, quick little story that's going to lead to a, a question? Years ago, when I was at ESPN, no other way. <laughs> yeah, your your silence was <laughs> resounding. Yeah. So no, no, just ask the question, you moron. <laughs> All right. Uh, years ago, we were at ESPN, and in the springtime, we have meetings with a lot of the different conferences, and still do that while I'm at Fox, and they have their kind of spring meetings. All the coaches, ads, everybody, and we got in these meetings, man, and it was it was pretty cool because David Shaw was a was was hot. He was really upset. This was the year that Christian McCaffrey, in his mind, deserved the Heisman Trophy. And they went back and they charted, and he had somebody there at Stanford go back and chart through the sports centers of the day how many times the name Christian McCaffrey came up versus the name, I don't even remember who it was, Tim Tebow that year, somebody that year uh, versus his name. And he said it just wasn't a fair fight. That all you did was talk about these other guys on the East Coast. You never talked about Christian McCaffrey. You never mentioned his name. And, uh, yeah, it was a pretty heated and pretty pointed conversation. I think if you took all of the words spoken on um, Seattle sports, uh, on all the shows here over the last couple months leading into spring training, you would hear George Kirby. You would hear Logan Gilbert. You would hear Luis Castillo. You would hear even Andres Munoz and, and, and Brash. And I don't even know if the name Robbie Ray has been mentioned this entire offseason. Right? It's almost like he's just been skipped over and everything else. Robbie Ray, save for performances against the Astros, was phenomenal. Phenomenal. He was a Cy Young Award winner two years. What are the expectations for that guy? Because it seems like everybody else has been talked about, but he hasn't. You know, it, it, it tends to go that way, especially with young players on your club, is that you know, people get excited about young players. They're the ones you can forecast more growth. And, and I guess there's some romance in trying to, to determine or estimate what they have the possibility to be. And, you know, and in Robbie's case, we know how good he can be. You know, he, he was the Cy Young Award winner in 2021. And, you know, what you said, it really rings true. You know, sans a, a handful of outings against the Astros, 
he was very good, especially during the, the heat of the summer. When we got into you know, late July, the month of August, you, you, you'd argue there was nobody better in the league. And that's a, he has the ability to do that. And that's transformational for a team. And you know, I said this multiple times through this offseason when asked about Robbie. Uh, do you worry about Robbie? It was a you know, big moment giving up that homer. Will he bounce back from it? If you spend any time around Robbie Ray, and I, you know, I've, I've talked about teams' needs, you know, teams that have they have a toughness to them. Robbie is like the he is central to our team's toughness. His his resilience is he is about as down the middle, even keel. Don't get too high, don't get too low as it gets. And you know, my guess is Robbie's going to come in. Actually, he's already in Peoria and throwing bullpens. He's going to come in and shape. He's going to come in and do the things that Robbie does. And, you know, I think we'll have, you know, year two for Robbie is going to be better than year one because now he, he understands the environment and he's adapted. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what happens for him because it, it's the quality of his fastball slider combo is irrefutably good. You know, now we just have to get to the point where what we saw, especially in that late summer, is is more of what we see moving forward. And I think Robbie's going to make sure that happens. Hey, Jerry, how, how long do you envision Julio hitting leadoff? Uh, for as long as he wants to. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's 17 years, if I had to, to plug one single number. But, I mean, truly, it's... It, some of what we talked about moments ago about the, the, the way speed has a chance to, to change in the game or, or the implementation of speed on the bases in the years to come might shift us back, you know, toward what, uh, what leadoff hitters look like 25, 35, 40 years ago. But right now, leadoff hitters, oftentimes they're just your best hitters and, you know, get them the extra at bat, hit them at the top of the order. You know, who's our best guy at getting on base? Probably Julio. Who's our best guy at, at cleaning it up? Probably Julio. Who do you want to get the extra at bat every night? Probably Julio. And, you know, if that's the case, then you should probably just hit them lead off or two. And, you know, years ago, lineup construction, baseball wisdom suggested, hey, hit your best hitter third, hit your, you know, your most powerful hitter fourth, your fastest guy first. And, you know, Julio's kind of all those guys wrapped into one. And that's a rare player in the game. And I, I remember, you know, during my years in, in Anaheim, we had Mike Trout. And and when when that team was at its very best, Mike Trout was leading off and he was getting the at bat every night. And, and and I think Julio will do that at least until such time as I think it makes sense to 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 shift the lineup or Scott feels more comfortable with a different dynamic. But it's Pretty good <laughs> Hey, last question for me here, Jerry. The pitchers and catchers report next week. I think when we talk to you next Thursday, they will be down there. As you said, a lot of them already are down there. But just to get ahead of it, uh, before Shannon Dreyer can write the article, who is going to be the player or two that quote-unquote comes in in the best <laughs> shape of his life? They will all come in in the best shape <laughs> of his life. Actually, yesterday we we had a, a call with our pitching, you know, Trent, Trent and, and Woody and our pitching group, the, the, just to go through how we want to distribute innings in spring training, you know, what we're hoping to achieve and build up with these guys and, you know, of, of the pitchers who've reported, and there are quite a few that are already there throwing bullpens. 
yesterday from you know Max Weiner and, and Trent Blank and Pete Woodworth as they you know assessed what they've seen. I probably heard boys in phenomenal shape. These guys are in the best shape I've ever seen them. <laughs> so it's not just a player telling you <laughs> they're in the best shape of their lives. And that's, I think, reflective of what modern day baseball looks like. When, you know, when when we were growing up and we're watching guys who in the off season, you know, I, I had coaches who played in the sixties and seventies who in the off season drove an ice truck or, you know, sold liquor for Jim Beam. And that was their off season. Now the off season hits and these, for these guys, it is truly a, a 365 job. They are getting after it. And when you see Julio and Teoscar Hernandez and, you know, some of our guys, just the physicality when they walk in the door for the first time, it looks like, Hey, what'd this guy do? Spend his winter in the, in the weight room. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Which uh, member of the baseball operations team is going to be in the best oh, shape of his life we when we get down there. Yeah. You got a new elliptical workout for me. There's, I, I, I usually have something uh, up my sleeve. I, I am aging, however. So <laughs> if I, if I wind up, you know, I'm definitely on the, the, the side of the aisle where the legs are not always with me. <laughs> so uh, if I had to bet on a single baseball operations person coming in in the best shape of their lives, I'm going to take Skylar Shibiyama, who is our resident uh, crack athlete, who if we play any type of game together, is he, he is going to be the best player at whatever that is pickleball it's a it's a he, he is he's a he's just younger and springier than the rest of us but you know he's he takes care of his body he's in good shape i think he'll come into spring training as, as the guy that has shannon writing art what's his uh what's his real job you know his real job he actually it, skyler is a special projects guy you know he has he's a he kind of is a data strategist who also let spends a ton of time with our advanced scouting team and puts together a lot of the unique things that we do from our, you know, our bullpen management meeting that you've probably heard about to building lineups, sitting with Scott and going through, you know, matchups with other teams before the game. He probably gets more one-on-one time in helping develop strategy for the game than anybody else in our group. And, uh, and just does a phenomenal job, super creative, very smart guy. A nice shout out for him this morning and obviously very much in shape. So yeah, way to go, Scott. Jerry, appreciate it. <laughs> uh, we'll do it again next Thursday. And I'm sure we'll come up with uh, more important things to talk about than the best baseball operation shape of their career. Thank you, sir. We'll do it next week. All right, guys.